You're listening to the Bible Nerd Podcast, a weekly show where we're exploring the world of the Bible, helping you fall more in love with Jesus, and building a thoughtful defense for the Christian worldview. I'm your host, Steve Schramm. Welcome to the show. Hey there, I'd like to welcome you into another session here of the Bible Nerd Podcast podcast. In this one, we're going to continue on in the series. We're covering Dr. Kurt Wise's book, Faith, Form, and Time. To refresh your memory, we're not going through line by line. We're not uh, expositing uh, through Dr. Kurt Wise's book. No, instead, what we're doing is picking out uh, different parts of the book that I found very interesting and expanding upon them here on the podcast, usually in around a 15 to 20 minute or so time frame. Now, in this week's episode, we're going to talk about genetic discontinuity and the age of the earth. So what are we talking about here? In genetics, there is a a terminology called continuity, and then there is terminology called discontinuity. And how, and and believe it or not, it's it's actually beyond just genetics. It it actually transcends the whole um, sphere, believe it or not, of being able to classify organisms. And so that's what we're talking about today. And as we move through our study here, we need to define some terms. We're going to look at the big contrast between continuity and discontinuity, or another way of saying that is similarity and dissimilarity. And we're going to see just how it relates to the issue of young age creationism versus um, versus really evolutionary uh ways of of thinking. Some old age creationists would disagree, certainly with the young age creationist view on this, um, but they would also disagree with the evolutionary take on this as well. So we do need to be uh, fair and balanced here. We're not going to cover all the different views that the purpose of this particular uh, episode is not to compare views uh, by any means, but instead it's to look at specifically for young age creationists why this issue of um, discontinuity is such a big deal and some of the terms and things around that. So the first thing we need to look at is a definition of the of the term baramin or baramin. Uh, I'm probably going to use um, baramin for the purposes of this episode just to kind of keep the, the language consistent. Um, and, and so we have this term baramin spelled B-A-R-A-M-I-N. And the question becomes, well, what is a baramin and how does that help us in classifying organisms? So the word baramin comes from a a combination of the biblical words bara, which means to create, and then mean, which is the word for kind, okay? Frank Lewis Marsh in the 1940s was really one of the first to start studying this and think about this issue from a very biblical-based perspective. And so he he wanted to refer to these um, classifications as a basic type, a basic type. And he he coined the term uh, baramin to help describe this. And basically it does mean something like created kind. And so as we we look at a, a baramin, some questions come up. What is the relation to a species, right? Most of us in science class learned about what is known as the Linnaean classification system. Okay, kingdom, phylum, class, order, family, genus, species. And I think there's actually another one now, okay? And we all learned this, and we were told that animals, all uh, organisms of, of all types really, fit into these different uh, 
Linnaean classification categories. Okay. The problem with that is this terminology will not work anymore for a creationist. Literally, to use the terminology is to buy in to a system of looking at these organisms that is disconnected from young age creationism. The irony about this is that um, Linnaeus was not an evolutionist, okay? <laughs> Linnaeus was a creationist, okay? I'm going to quote from an article, a really great article here uh, on creation.com. says this, Linnaeus believed that he was God's chosen instrument for revealing in a precise way the divinely ordered works of creation. His writings have many reference to God as creator. For example, in one uh, piece he wrote, the end of the earth's creation is the glory of God as seen from the works of nature by man alone. Pretty uh, incredible. Now, Linnaeus denied the old claims of what was called species fixicity that came from ancient Greek uh, thought and thinking. And he believed that there was a, a relatedness to life. Now, unfortunately, the way that the terms are used now in the Linnaean classification system really buys into the fact that all life is uh, fundamentally related down to what's called a universal last common ancestor, okay? And the problem with buying into this language then as a creationist is it doesn't speak accurately to the fact that a, a creationist would expect lots of discontinuity in the record of life itself, okay? There's going to be significant differences between, say, dogs, cats, and humans. And what the young age creationist wants to say is that those differences are so uh, pronounced, so important, and so potent that they, they couldn't cross the boundary of relatedness. Whereas in evolutionary thinking, all life ultimately crosses that boundary of relatedness down to um, the most fundamental uh, part, which is, again, a, a universal last common ancestor. So when we're using biblical terminology, when we are thinking about the issue of the relatedness of life from a creationist perspective, we really don't want to use the Linnaean language. So we want to try to adopt the language of Brahman or Barahman again, and, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that. So there's a contrast then between these two views. Dr. Wise says it like this, quote, young age creationism suggests that within Barahman's Life is more related than is believed in traditional biology. But young age creationism also suggests an unrelatedness that is much higher than expected in traditional biology. Evolutionary theory suggests that all organisms are at least ultimately related. Just as a family tree consists of a group of related humans, Charles Darwin introduced the concept of a tree of life, the theory that all organisms are somehow related. Now, this tree of life is at odds with what a creationist would see. And maybe this is something where um, you're new to this. Maybe you've never heard this before. So if, if you listen to this podcast and you already, you know, you're familiar with this stuff, then great. If not, I do want to take my time and just be as clear as possible for those who, who don't know. So a young, a young age creationist is, is going to look at what Charles Darwin would have called the, the, the tree of life and see some big problems there. Okay. And there are many examples that could be used, but the most fundamental that I can even think of is you actually have organisms being created by God 
on different days of creation. That one distinction alone is something that separates all uh, life from one another, most life from, from one another, at, at the most fundamental level, their, their very origin. And so do you see how you can't just look at, at a tree of life um, given by Darwin or even one that's been later developed upon since, since his time, which uh, as I'm recording this, literally, I, I think it was yesterday that I saw um, a new study by evolutionists basically blows up the entire uh, tree of life as they had it, which this kind of thing happens quite frequently in science. And uh, it's just fascinating to me. And, and what's interesting here is as a creationist, we don't want to look at that and adopt that thinking, right? Because it can't be. It just can't be. If God created these organisms on different days with different characteristics, if God made them such that they reproduce after their kind, which is why we call, again, Behrman created kind, they reproduce after their kind. These are all important terms and important things to be thinking about from a creationist perspective. So there's a big difference. So what would the creationists expect versus the evolutionist when trying to uh, visualize the relatedness of life? And the answer is that the creationists would expect something more like an orchard over and against something like a tree of life. Okay, it'd be an orchard of, of many different little trees rather than one continuous tree of life. I'm going to quote Wise again here. Quote, the young age creationist also believes that God placed multiple evidences among living things to show that life's form had separate origins. Not only were they created with breaks or discontinuities in genetics, but probably discontinuities in biochemistry, development, behavior, biological form, and other categories. The young age creationist expects discontinuity on many levels to be a common characteristic of Earth's organisms, but the young age creation biologist needs a tool to recognize such discontinuity. Close quote. And so what sort of tool could be used? Well, this is called biosystematics, okay? And it's the, that's the field that we are sort of peering into at a very um, high level here. And in biosystematics, the current form of biosystematics that is used in evolutionary biology is called cladistics. It separates organisms into uh, different uh, clades, and they are again, fundamentally organized by similarity. But creationists need a tool that will help us to actually detect dissimilarity between organisms. We need to be able to classify based on many of those things that Dr. Wise mentioned. Again, biochemistry, development, behavior, biological form, other categories, right? When they were created, um, genetics. These are all things that um, contribute to our understanding of why life forms are different. And so to do that, the tool that has been developed by Dr. Kurt Wise, who wrote our book, is called Barominology. And the tool was initially um, brought to light, I believe, in the early 1990s. And with Barominology, what we can do is actually place organisms into those different categories and classify them according to the orchard of little trees. All right, now I'm going to read a quote to you here again from Dr. Wise. Quote, the ultimate end of Barominology is to identify, name, and classify barriments, God's created kinds. A complete barriment would include both living and dead organisms in the present, 
organisms represented as fossils, and organisms we could never gain direct access to, such as past forms that were never preserved or have never been discovered as fossils. Baromenology restricts its study to known organisms, living individuals, plus the dead ones we know about because we have actual bodies or fossils. It is only after conclusions are drawn about known organisms that speculations about entire baromens or baromens can be made. Close quote. This is a very important distinction because with baromenology, our goal is to deal in reality. So much of evolutionary classification and evolutionary science deals with hypotheticals, okay? And we don't want to do that except in cases where we can be very uh, educated and, and make very educated guesses and hypotheses, okay? And I'm sure many evolutionists would claim that they do this in an educated way uh, as well. But the point I'm trying to make is that this way of doing classification, bioclassification, is fundamentally interested in what is real, what is, what is known about reality and classifying it that way. and uh, attempting to understand what God really did here. That's what this is all about, right? What we're trying to do is understand scientifically how God created the world. And if you go back to, uh, and how God arranged and organized the world as well. And if you go back to our, um, again, first episode about this series, I talked about that. Like the study of nature, the study of science, it's amazing that we have these tools. We should use them and redeem them for the glory of God. Now, within baromenology, there are a couple of different classifications that can be made. You've got hollow baromens, monobaromens, and apobaromens, all right? So a hollow baromen is all known members. And I think I said earlier I was going to use baromen. I think I'm just going to switch to baromen because it's easier to say, and it seems to be what I'm saying um, more naturally. So anyway, uh, a, a hollow baromen is all known members of a baromen, okay? So... If you've got the human Brahmin, then the hollow Brahmin is going to be all known living and dead organisms that would be classified as human. Okay, a monobaramin is a smaller group that builds together to create, to, to help form those hollow Brahmins. So they are groups of organisms that are believed to show continuity within, but may not include all the organisms continuous with them, okay? So a monobaramin could theoretically be a human living in the United States. That would be a particular kind of, of monobaramin that would be separate from a human living in Australia. An apobaramin is a larger, a larger group that actually gets broken up to create holobaramins. So an apobaramin is a group of organisms believed to be discontinuous with all other known organisms. So there would be a human apobaramin that would just draw a hard line between anything classified as human and anything not classified as human. And then that gets broken up to form hollow baramins. Now, we did go into a, a, a much more specific deep dive into baromenology in episode 49, way back in episode 49 of this podcast. And uh, it was a great episode. I think it was titled, Can We Find the Biblical Kinds? Um, I would highly encourage you to go back, listen to that episode. I went into great detail on this. I'm not going to go into, into further detail on that right now. Again, the point here was really just to bring out the, the, uh, the main idea of discontinuity versus similarity, okay? So I would encourage you to check that out for a deeper dive, episode 49. What is the point of all this, of this episode, really? Creationists have developed a system that detects genetic 
discontinuity. That's the big takeaway here. And that is the kind of thing that is needed in order to find out how God organized the biological world. Young age creationism expects significant discontinuity between organisms in many different ways. Evolutionary theory does not. In fact, from the very basic cellular machinery all the way through to issues like the days of creation, there is fundamental dissimilarity. Hybridization is, again, another criteria. There's lots of these things, and there's plenty of it that suggests two completely different approaches to the data. All right, so I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Bible Nerd Podcast. For a deeper dive, if you're really interested in this, I do suggest you go check out episode 49 of the podcast. If you want to know about Carl Linnaeus, then you can totally go check out that article on creation.com. I think you'll find it very interesting and very helpful. And I hope you got something useful out of this that you can take with you um, in your daily life. As you look around at creation, just, just think. Think about it. Like, what makes a human different from a squirrel out, out Side your window and what makes you and, and that squirrel different from the trees you know that are in your backyard really is amazing the orchard of life that god created and we should honor that by seeking to study it and by doing so with a system that allows us to do that god bless you guys take care can't wait to see you in the next episode